This podcast is sponsored by Bailey Gifford. Their podcast series, Short Briefings on Long-Term Thinking, brings you in-depth knowledge and challenging points of view from Bailey Gifford's investment managers. Search online for Bailey Gifford Short Briefings. Hello, and welcome to the New Model Advisor podcast. I'm Charles Wormsley. Today's podcast is a conversation I recorded a couple of weeks ago with Sam Slomer, Managing Director of Engage Financial Services. As a former professional footballer, Sam knows all about some of the problems facing uh, footballers right now during lockdown. In particular, we spoke about the problems for players who haven't returned to action. It's tricky for everyone. Yeah. So footballers are no different. It's tricky for them as well. Um, I think the uncertainty around when they're going to come back, are they going to come back? Is it this season? Is the transfer window going to be moved? Who's out of contract? You know, there, there are so many domino effects, you know, around every decision has implications on all other decisions. And I think it's a really, really complicated um, process. And so sort of listening in on the sidelines to what's going on and what people know and what they don't know. And, you know, adding to that, every different player has a different theory. Are they are they concerned? Are they not? Do they care? Yeah. Are they worried about, you know, they've got ill grandparents or real kids or you know, vulnerable spouse or, you know, everyone is in a different situation. And so there are just so many moving parts to it that it's, it's a bit of a minefield to be honest on the sports side. Yeah. So, I mean, in your experience, how much would say a typical say league one or league two footballer be earning? So again, all of this stuff is, is a little bit generic. We, yeah, we're fortunate that, you know, we're lucky in a position that we, we look after mainly premiership players and championship players. I think from a financial standpoint, um, you know, f- as a, as a planner, there is more to do in those areas. However, yeah. you would, you would definitely agree that league one and league two are going to probably need to work after their career. And so the planning element is just as important for those guys. Um, how much are they earning? Well, you've got to think the average in league two has got to be around, Fifty to sixty thousand pound a year, I would imagine. Obviously, younger players and players that are coming through or that have been brought from from non-league might be on less, and then some experienced players that are coming down levels um, will be paid more. You know, some of the teams that are going for it might be able to pay some more, but as a broad average, that's probably the same. Um, and in League One, again, it probably goes up to around, I would say, the hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand pound a year mark. That's probably where it's at from an average perspective. So, yeah, good so not enough. Good salary has been not enough to sort of, yeah, it must be tricky now in terms of riding this out. Yeah, look, I think, I think like, like we said, everyone is finding it tricky. Those salaries are only for a short period of time. You know, if you have, if you're a footballer and you have your whole career in League One, you'll have a period where you're a young player and you're not yeah. learning that well. You have a period where you're a good player and then you have a period where you're, you're an experienced player. So, you know, in those periods, you're trying to buy a house, you're trying to, you know, live as normal people do you want to have holidays and you want to have all the other things so it's nowhere near enough to be able to to retire and settle down and you also know that the likelihood is when you finish that career you're going to have to do something else and you're most likely going to start at the bottom rung um, yeah you're starting a new career so you almost have to to have that in the back of your mind as well that's an interesting thing to think about in terms of yeah if you're starting a career at the age of i guess what 30 31 to you know, 33 34 that obviously puts you in a different position yeah it's tough um you know i have been there myself um i was ready to go and i was playing in league two 
Um, and so financially, I knew it wasn't going to be enough um, and I was ready to change. But a lot of the players there, football is their life. You know, that, that's yeah. all they've done and all they want to do is play football. And that's great because that that has probably allowed them to get where they've got to, um, allowed them to be, you know, the top of the top outside the Premier League and Championship, which is only obviously a very small percentage of the population. But the downside of that is it does make it difficult to go into to transition into something else. Um, and, and obviously having something that you love and do every day like football you're unlikely to find anything else that you're as passionate and as, as yeah. find as enjoyable so it really is about changing the mindset um, and, and finding something that you you like and for, gives you fulfillment and gives you joy and all those other things it's, it's tough for those for those guys on that transition for sure and i mean moving to the current situation and um, with firstly looking at those sort of players Obviously, there's no football taking place at the moment. It seems like League Two will be, there won't be any football in the foreseeable future. There's some debate in League One. I mean, how can they manage their finances um, right now? Have many been put on furlough? Yeah, really tricky. So I I had a, in prep for this this, um, podcast, I had a call with a good friend of mine who's a captain at a League Two club. Yeah, um, and he was saying that they have a WhatsApp group for all the captains of League Two clubs, and they've all been furloughed. Almost every player in League Two has been furloughed, um, and the clubs are just topping them up for their wages. So they are still earning yeah. what they were earning, okay. Um, but they are furloughed and can't be paid in full. There are some clubs who the the clubs have just said they're just going to give them the furlough money, and that's it. Um, but that's in the minority. And the issue there is that. You know, from a financial perspective, everyone is spending far less because you can't mm. travel. You know, you can't go out for meals. You can't take the kids out places. So, you know, I would, I would say to people, and I said this to some friends. You know, if you can take a mortgage payment holiday and put some savings away and build up some some savings, don't spend that money. Make sure you're putting it away and give yourself a buffer for the future. That's one of the main tips. You know, from a financial planning element, I, I suppose they need to keep themselves fit. But I, I would really be thinking about. Um, bigger picture stuff so you know trying to maybe learn some skills or develop some skills that they have and and start to learn other things um, and broaden their horizons because depending on their age and where they are you know like we just said football is is a short career and so finding out some other stuff while you can't play football while you physically can't um, and there's going to be an imposed period where they're not going to play um, I, I, I would use it try and use it wisely like again like we said if you've got young kids it's very difficult because they are you know taking up time and they're at home as well Um, but it's just trying to trying to find some some bright spots in this period um, try and learn try and keep the mind engaged yeah Um, that's what i would be saying from a financial planning perspective there isn't masses they can do um like everyone else you know keep your exes low uh, maybe do some budgeting tools maybe look back through a you know three to six months worth of expenditure where can you um, not, not necessarily where can you cut make sure that what you're spending on gives you value and um, things that you really love doing and really enhance your life spend away on those and things that don't really add any value or you're just buying and spending for spending sake you know don't add on those so it's, it's trying to keep things simple um, is, is the do you get much of a sense of any kind of fears for the long-term future um, given that fans are likely not to be allowed in grounds for some time to come so again, I don't, I don't think there is a, a fear for the long-term future. I, th- I think the fear is yeah. the short-term. So again, in League One and Two, people don't really sign four or five-year contracts like you see in the Premier League. They sign yeah. one and two years because 
clubs want to see how they do, um, and they they want to move them on if they you know if they're not performing. So I think a lot of people will be having short term fears about what happens this summer if their contract doesn't get renewed, or you know if they've been asked to take a deferral uh, if the clubs aren't having fans in the stadium. What that the size of that deferral looks like? Is it a deferral? Is it a pay cut? Um, and those conversations. So I think it's much more the shorter term issues than the longer term. Um, clubs are you know the revenue that lower league clubs generate uh, about 30 to 35% of that is from, um, from match going fans, whether they're buying drinks at the bar or, yeah. you know, pies, you know, that is where they get a, a sizable chunk of their revenue. And if they can't have fans in the stadium, you know, that is going to have a knock on effect, but it's short term knock ons um, for players out of current contracts or, um, you know, players that are, have got a year left. They might need to be thinking a little bit about how this year goes um, because, you know, the year after that they might be in trouble yeah and uh, is there much they can do to minimize that or is it really just the nature of the industry that it's short term that's the nature of the beast you know it's yeah it's a, it's a wonderful game football if you're not involved in the fan you know you love it if you want to play it um, again sort of forget the, the premier league because by the time you get to there you know you, you are you're not set but you know you're earning really the upper echelons of, of life and society, the lower leagues, that is what happens. It's survival of the fittest. You know, it's, you got to play well and keep your place or someone else is going to take it. You know, it's fairly ruthless um, and clubs, you know, they're not going to look after you for the long term. If, if you're not doing the business, you're, you're out. Um, so it's, it is a tough industry. And most of the players, again, who get to that level, which is a really, really good level, they're, they're pretty tough individuals because yeah. you've got to get through quite a lot of stages to be able to play there. So they know what they're in for. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's trying to maximise your talent and do as much of it while you can. Do you think you'll see many players sort of retiring earlier than they normally would um, to focus on another career or because they just sort of, it, they seem unlikely to get a new contract renewal? Um, maybe. It's a good question. I don't know is, is the actual answer. Yeah. I don't know if that will come through. I think, like I said, there's two different mentalities. Some people have the 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 thought that they are just going to play until they can't play anymore because they love it and it's everything they've ever wanted to do. And, you know, they've loved every minute and I completely understand that. And there are some who say, you know, I've, I've played, I've had 10 years, it's been great, but it's not really going anywhere. Now's the time to go to, uh, to phase two of my life. It, you know, everyone's different and they see it differently. So I'm not sure I'll, you'll see a bigger percentage of people do that. You know, there will be more people maybe forced to do it. But these clubs have still got to have players from somewhere. So it's a, maybe yeah. a new cycle of players come in or younger players that they can get cheaper or, you know, the, the cycle continues. It just might, you know, be in a slightly different way for the next period. This podcast is in association with Bailey Gifford. Find out more about their range of funds and investment trusts at www.baileygifford.com. You mentioned that you have a few kind of clients in the Championship and Premier League. Um, are you preparing them for any changes to their long-term finances, um, looking at um, any sort of long-term wage cuts? Good question. Wage cuts haven't really been in, uh, been mentioned. Um, yeah. Almost all have had wage deferrals. Um, and so the deferrals have been, you know, until they're back playing in front of crowds um, or they know when the, the league is started and what the broadcast revenue is because, you know, like I said, there's loads of moving parts. The, if they start playing again in early June, there will have been, you know, a couple of months without football. Uh, and if the broadcast rights are still able to pay and still come in, 
the clubs aren't overly affected. There is only a small loss for clubs, and they'll be you know they'll be able to take that. Whereas if there is no football and it doesn't come back, they have to forego the the revenue from the broadcasters. It doesn't start till next year. They've got a payback season to get. Yeah. You know, there's the issue with it, and we've had I've had loads of conversations with clients on this. Is there's just so many things to think about, um, and a lot of it is speculation. And as with Brexit and with COVID nineteen, the speculation is the killer. Yeah, you've got a million different people with a million different opinions, giving different you know articles and what they think, but it, it, it's all just speculation, and it's really difficult to tune out that noise. So we're not preparing massively for changes. We have been changing um, their savings rates regarding you know wage deferrals because a lot of clients, any excess money goes to their long-term future. Mm. When they get deferrals, they've still got to cover their bills. They've still got to cover their outgoings. A lot of them are paying down mortgages very quickly. Um, so they're overpaying substantially, and these are substantial monthly amounts. So really, it's it's tactical, short-term stuff. We're not planning. You know, I think football is still gonna is gonna come back, and it's going to be uh, as big an engine as it always has been. It just might be slightly different over the next year or two, depending on how this plays out. Yeah, of course. Um, and one thing I wondered. And you might not have any clients in this position, but how much of a role would say promotion or relegation play into their plan? Um, would would they prepare to take a wage cut or think about potentially earning a bit more? Yeah, we do have some players. I mean, we've got weirdly, we've got players in all different kind of situations at the moment. Yeah. We have clients who are who are threatened with relegation, and yes, there is a wage cut if you go down from the Premier League to the Championship. Um, it, it's all written, it's all written into the contracts and bonuses if you go up on the other way. So for those guys, yeah, again, we will tactically sit down and say when and if it happens, um, we'll deal with it, knowing what the what the wage cut is going to be. I think you have to be careful to plan that far ahead with clients. Because if I phone one of my clients who's in a relegation battle and say, right, we're going to make any changes because I think you're going to go down, it's not kind of the right message that you want to give. Yeah, I uh, imagine they wouldn't be too happy. No, so you, you just got to bring it up um, and, and be on the front foot, but also just a little bit, you know, um, careful in how you position it. So it, it's always there. They will know that the wages are going to change if they go down. So you're not telling them something they don't know, but you've just got to keep them, um, keep them on the front foot. I have a client who's on a, um, a free transfer this summer and he doesn't know where he's going to go or when the transfer window is going to be or how it's going to work. And obviously yeah. it's a really tricky time for him. So that's a difficult one. I have a client who is chasing promotion to the Premier League um, and, and waiting to see if they do it on points per game or if the championship starts. And yeah, we have clients in all different situations and it's been a lot of talking. Um, a lot of talking, a lot of reading through documents from the clubs, you know, deferral letters and those kind of things. But that's that's part of it. You know, that's what we're here yeah. for. It, it definitely shows kind of that there is a human side to all this talk about what happens next that it's not just about the league or football in itself no i think i was listening to sean dyche talk recently on a on a podcast and he spoke amazingly eloquently mm. footballers they shouldn't be treated any different to any any other types of society you know there are loads and loads of big businesses consulting with the government about getting their business back on track or their business back to work yeah for some reason it seems footballers are um our, our media folly and yeah. they want to be in there all the time but you know football is a big business it, it pays a lot of people in the UK uh, employs a lot of people in the UK it puts a lot of money back in the in the tax pot for the exchequer so you know I, I get why there is sort of some media hype but you know you can't have it both ways and, and say football is 
this, that, and the other when there's loads of other businesses that are doing the same. So uh, there is definitely a human side. Everyone will have their own views. It's not going to be one size fits all. They're just going to do what they think is right for the majority. And it's kind of what I think for getting political, I kind of think what, what, what Boris is saying at the moment, like him or loathe him, he's sort of saying, stay alert. Well, that's the right message because if you want people to start going back out and start getting into society, you need them just to be a little bit, um, uh, have a little bit of common sense and stay alert and stay aware and make sure they're not doing silly things. And, and, and that's really the same with football. Um, it does seem, it does seem that from following the football stuff that, yeah, there does a lot, there seems to be a lot of attention on it. Um, and perhaps not a realization that it's not, the games aren't happening tomorrow. There is games. It's, we're talking about three, four weeks away. Um, and do you think many of, are there many sort of worries as well? You're talking about contracts or sort of bonuses and things like that at the moment? Not just yet. Like, I think we're going into to the monetary aspect. You know, if you strip it back, most of them are well paid. Uh, yeah. Most of them are financially comfortable. So I think they're more worried about getting football back playing um, and, and f- finishing their leagues and understanding what it looks like for next year and getting a bit of a plan before they worry about bonuses. You know, they do understand that clubs are going through a bit of a hard time. Um, they understand that fans are not coming in the door. So, you know, they're not, they're not blind to that and they're not silly. Yeah. However, these clubs, you know, in my view, they, a lot of them, they might try and play poverty sometimes or plead poverty mm. when actually they're, they're extremely wealthy billionaire owners are in the background. So that there, there is a little bit of a disconnect there, but no, there's, there's not masses of concerns about bonuses and that stuff. It's, yeah, you know, the clubs have to honour the contracts that they've given them and they will do that. The, the players will help the clubs through this difficult period and they are doing that and they have been from day one. Um, and then the rest will kind of sort itself out when we know a bit more. Um, it's Like I said, it's trying not to speculate too much on, on everything else because it's it's, it's difficult. And in terms of um, your your clients and perhaps more widely, do you do much to help them in on the charity side? Because I know a lot of footballers have been keen to help the NHS, help other charities who are um, help who are helping people who are suffering at the moment. Yeah, we have been, uh, th- and th- through this period, actually more than normal. Um, so we, as a business, like to do a lot of charity work, and we support yeah. a couple, and we sort of invite clients to that stuff. Um, I think through this, there was a lot of dialogue for all the, the clubs, but they all wanted to know where the money was going and what they were impacting. And, you know, players from different parts of the UK wanted to help their local communities. Um, they might know a lot of people in the in the communities. They might know healthcare workers as friends or family members. Um, and so they really wanted to have a say and allow that money to be impactful. So we were working with guys on, on that and helping them just with the conversations they were having with the, the wider Premier League and their own clubs. And then, yeah, just allowing them to follow the money. So wherever they make a donation, what does it look like and what does it um, achieve? Um, And not to do anything in the public eye, but just so they understand the process. You give a pound, here's where that pound goes. What does it look like? How much actually goes to the bottom line? How much is taken up from admin? Um, And just, yeah, like I said, following the money and making sure that clients are aware of what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, that's something that struck me in terms of they don't really want to make it public, a lot of these players. I think there's a perception that, they don't want to be seen to be just you know, making a big deal about it. Yeah. I mean, as though it's just for the publicity. Yeah. I think that there's two aspects to that one, you know, they run the risk of never giving enough. Yeah. So, you know, client X gives 50,000 pounds to someone. Oh, well he earns, you know, 2 million quid a year. That's nothing to him. 
they run the risk of that stuff and two you know it's not really anyone any of anyone's business what they do and who they support they'll have their reasons um and if they had to explain every decision and every purchase to everyone you know it would be a a, a long and difficult and painful process for them so yeah. you know I, I don't see anyone asking richard branson who he's supporting or alan sugar or what checks he, you know I, I don't know why it's a big interest of who footballers are supporting and how much they're giving it's such a strange strange thing in uh, in society these days but it it is part of it's part of the game um i would definitely be advising clients to, to keep quiet about it because it's almost like virtue signaling and bragging about this is what i do yeah. there's almost no there's you're in a lose-lose situation you either never give enough or you're bragging about what you're doing and it's you know sometimes harry kane with the donation he made to Leighton orient was was amazing um, and he can do it because at the level he plays at it's you know no one's asking the amounts and it's just a great thing for him to do but there'll be there will be people criticising him for that. That you know, yeah. why didn't he save another club? Or it's 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 a very difficult situation. Yeah, it's about you know, justifying those priorities. Isn't always something that they should do. Um, yeah. Um, just more personally, uh, are you looking forward to football returning at some point? Very much so. I can't wait for it to return. I think it's a bit strange with uh, there being no. Um, fans um for a period yeah. i actually didn't watch the bundesliga so i don't know how that went um but on a personal level i want um yeah i want to see football games i want to see the conclusion of the season um i want to i want it to wrap up so that it, so that there's um continuity um and and ease and and it moves forward so yeah i'm, I'm really hoping it's back asap yeah and uh are you do you play any football still and are you missing that at all if no and no um no i don't play anymore i haven't played in ages um i years ago i lost the desire of whether i won or i lost yeah and when i lost the caring about whether i won or lost i just i stopped really being bothered about playing because you know i used to obviously love to want to win and that was why you played and then you used to love the bravado of trying to be a very good player and you know express myself and all those things that i used to love and when I lost it, I just it was just enough for me. I, I'd done enough. I'd enjoyed it. It was time for the next chapter. So no, yeah. I'm not missing it at all. And so now you're a financial advisor. Um, what do you hope to get out of this experience? Of you know, it's a very unusual one. Have you learned anything new? And what would you like to see? Um, good question. Look, I think the difficulty for me is I have three young children. Um, yeah, and what I've learned is that the balance I had in my life prior to lockdown was almost perfect. And the balance I've got during lockdown is not ideal. Um, so what I've learned is that the balance I had was very good and not to take it for granted. Not that I did. Uh, we've been trying to learn how to um, just, I suppose, how to run the business remotely. So we, we're lucky that the clients we look after are economically sound and, you know, we haven't had major impact to our business and we're obviously a fixed fee firm so we haven't seen a drop in revenue when the market yeah. came off which was really really good for us um and i suppose we've been doing a lot of annual reviews on zoom we've had some new client meetings on zoom we've sort of taken on a couple of clients that are fully remote so we've not met them in person and it's great to see the evolution of of that business and, and the way we can do it however you know it, it, it again has struck me that i love the interaction with with people um, I love meeting people. I love being out and about. I love going to different places. And I, I just love the buzz of being in London and uh, nothing is going to replicate that. So as soon as we're allowed to, yeah. things are allowed to get back moving. 
um, you know, I, I will definitely take some Zoom meetings going forward because it saves time and it's uh, it's quite efficient. But generally, uh, yeah, I'm missing the uh, social interaction with other humans for sure. Yeah, well, hopefully it won't be too long until we're back back up and running on that front. Well, thank you very much, Sam. No worries. Thank you.